This is AMDA on the go, your gateway to expert discussions, journal article reviews, and innovation in post-acute and long-term care. AMDA on the go is a presentation of the Society for Post-Acute and Long-Term Care Medicine. Support for this podcast is brought to you by U.S. Post-Acute Care. This podcast is eligible for ABPLM pre-approved certified medical director credits. Details will be provided at the end of this podcast. And now here's our host for AMDA on the go, Dr. Wayne Saltzman. Welcome to AMDA on the go. This podcast looks at the concept of geriatric engineering and how it may foster a new era in the care of the aging older adult. A January 2019 Advancing Health Equity Report by the Commonwealth Fund entitled, Are Older Americans Getting the Long-Term Services and Supports They Need?, concluded, unsurprisingly, that reliance on assistive devices and environmental modifications was high, with many older adults requiring and experiencing increased support over time. The needs of older adults have clearly evolved since 1965, not just with an increasing lifespan, but also with a rise in chronic conditions and the potential for functional and cognitive impairment. The report also noted that whatever the need, assistive devices like grab bars, walkers, and canes play a crucial role in supporting 60% of older adults in their daily lives. In my simple way of looking at things, Mrs. Smith's health status has evolved over the past 30 years and she's become more compromised, but her home, her environment looks the same as it did in 1970, and it has become more compromising with time. At some point, it is the home, the place that older adults want to be more than anything else that cannot sustain the individual. Those of us in medicine really do not notice or consider the older adults' environments, aside from ordering home safety evaluations, because we are not trained in medical school or doing our advanced practice education about the nuances or applicability of an environment to the needs of its inhabitants. A 2013 leading age publication entitled Aging in Place Evidence Matters found that homes could be modified and communities could be adapted to support and facilitate aging in place to generate cost savings to families governments and health systems with many benefits to aging seniors and the broader community. So we have the what and we have the why, but what we really need is the how and the who. Are there ways in which we can forecast the needs of an aging population and create an environment in which it can thrive? Can we recruit and educate a new class of student to study and engineer our future needs? Well, Dr. David Lubliner, a senior lecturer from the New Jersey Institute of Technology, thinks that we can, and he wrote about his innovative educational approach from identifying where the paths of geriatrics and engineering can converge. And to our good fortune, Dr. Lubliner has graciously agreed to talk about his vision for the future of older adult care with us now. Dr. Lubliner has a PhD in information systems and has been an educator, author, and innovator at the New Jersey Institute of Technology for 25 years. He currently coordinates a number of programs and in 2015 authored the textbook, 
Biomedical Informatics, an Introduction to Information Systems and Software in Medicine and Health. He has worked in industry, first on the Patriot Missile System, then later in the field of computer architecture and security for a Fortune 50 company. Dr. Lubliner, it is my pleasure to welcome you to AMDA On The Go. I'm uh, happy to be here, and that introduction was perfect for why we need geriatric engineering. I don't think I need to say anything beyond that. That was good. <laughs> well, thank you so much. But I'm going to suggest maybe we continue and maybe we can glean some more crucial pieces of information from you. Um, I'll do my best. <laughs> thank you. Dr. Lubliner, I typically like to start with somewhat of a historical framework to set the tone for our discussion. I have to say your special article in the March 2021 issue of the Journal of the American Geriatric Society, which we commonly call JAGS, caught my eye, in part because the title was somewhat alluring, Geriatric Engineering and Engineering Systems Design Approach to Human Aging. But largely, I, I have to admit, because intuitively to me, geriatrics and engineering are two terms that do not belong in the same sentence together. But once I read your paper, I realized they can belong together, as together they define an innovation and in education and the future practicability of older adult wellness. So many questions I'm going to throw at you, um, trying to lump them together in a way that makes, that makes a little bit of sense. But in your paper, you talk about training a, a new generation of geriatric engineers. And I ha have to ask, you know, what, what existed up until now? What, what is geriatric engineering? And this appears to be your term. So how did the concept come about? Why do geriatrics, a healthcare-focused approach to older adults, and engineering, the use of scientific principles to build things, belong together? And then how do you get from this concept to creating an educational program, i.e. a minor in geriatric engineering a number of years ago? Uh, please lead us through this evolution of this fascinating concept. Okay, that was a uh, comprehensive question. Uh, I'll do my best. Um, the term geriatric engineering, it seemed obvious is that we have electrical engineering, people who design circuits and devices, mechanical engineering, who design motors and pumps. So engineering is a systemized approach. I've been an engineer for many years uh, to designing something focused on some area. And geriatrics is the only term that makes any sense. Uh, gerontology is more... Uh, the the study of you know how people interact and social systems uh, geriatrics is the treatment of uh, individuals as you know how to mitigate the problems of aging um, but th that's the whole problem right there how do you mitigate the problems of aging that's the wrong approach geriatric engineering is wants to be proactive rather than reactive mm. so the idea is we need to design engineers design programs for engineers who basically say, and in my paper I put that, um, let's choose just like uh, there are other baselines. Um, let's, and I'm not the first person to think about, uh, let's make the baseline at the age 50. And there are a number in the middle of the paper, they call it the official term is frail scales. Uh, a lot of the terminology as you get older is, you know, a little uh, disappointing. 
you know, elderly, seniors, you know, right at that point, you're already, you know, coming up with a picture of, uh, you know, this old, frail little person in a walker, which is exactly the wrong approach. So we want to proactively design systems to anticipate problems. So, for example, um, all the devices you see now with, you know, Amazon and Google and Apple, they're fine, but they're really little parts of the whole answer. Um, we need to, for example, cameras. It's been known for about 10 years. There's some studies on um, analyzing as people uh, walk across an apartment. Mm -hmm. And you can tell a lot medically about person as uh, that changes, as how you walk, how quickly your stance. Also, facial recognition. You can actually tell if somebody's had any mini strokes. And there's a lot of information that can be gleaned about when you get up in the morning. So we want to gather all this information, have the, the apartment a little more intelligent with everything integrated, connected to the cloud, and basically saying, you know, you're not exercising enough, your diet and all the kind of stuff. Now, you don't have to accept that. I mean, you can continue along the way you want, but you want it to be kind of like a, an advisor or a friend that kind of tells you this is what you can do and this is how you can mitigate the problems. Mm. And if you don't, the technology will still step in to uh, basically help you if you want help yourself. So mm. I guess the best way to describe it in one or two words is it's a system approach to dealing with all the evolution of the human systems and how to respond and hopefully to make a couple of suggestions. But right now we have medical programs that have MD, PhDs, but they only add a course or two. It's not training people from the very beginning about what the problems are and how to create an integrated system. Uh, one third of your life is you know after the age of 60 and you should be able to function just as well for most of that as you are at age 50 if mm. we design things accordingly mm. it's mm. it should be a secondary you know issue that we basically say well somebody you know is having trouble walking i'm going to give them a walker or somebody has uh, some other minor problem it has to be an integrated approach to exercise and uh, even the finances have got to be integrated into the system. It's one of the courses that we just got approved called Economics of Aging is how to integrate that into the, the approach, not only personally, but to legislate to make sure that it's considered. And actually, the economics might be the strongest point, uh, at least for um, you know business majors, is that We've done some research and we have quite a bit of uh, data to show that for about three to $5,000 a year, we can automate an apartment and provide all the resources so most people for 90% of their lives can live independently. Hmm. But if you have a home health care aid, that's $50,000 a year. And if you 
go into assisted living, that's 100,000. So just the burden on society alone is going to get unacceptable. And that's as good an argument for geriatric engineering, though I think quality of life, at least personally, is a more important one. Wow. Wow. Um, What a complex... uh... What a complex idea to deal with a complex uh, issue. But um, for a moment there, you sounded like a geriatrician. Let's get into the meat of it a little bit more. So uh, you talked about a geriatric engineering curriculum. You know, you want to create a formal degree program. Well, you already have a minor, but you want to create a, an actually a, a baccalaureate. Um, and that appears to be the brass ring for you. You know, we've, you talked about economics of aging and how it necessitates training engineers to provide solutions to individuals and society necessitates training engineers fascinating we have a hard enough time to get medical students and residents to enter the field of geriatrics to the point where a canadian journal article from 2007 presented the appeal that geriatrics is sexy you know, the, inter- the intellectual challenge, the chance to put all the pieces together, be a detective, um, you know, really understand older adults. Um, what makes this degree idea, a degree in geriatric engineering, sexy for your students? You know, the, the editorial written uh, about your piece by Heron Schwartz, also in the March 2021 uh, issue of JAGS, intimates that engineering integrates well within a model of clinical and non-clinical geriatric settings. You know, I, I'm interested, you know, who, who teaches MIT 360 at, uh, at, at NJIT, uh, which is an introduction well, to gerontology. Right. See, that's the, the critical issue, the people who teach the courses. Yeah. Nobody who teaches any of our courses is a youngster. For example, Dr. Madhu, who teaches the intro to gerontology, she's 75 now, I don't know if I should be saying this on the radio. Um, <laughs> she retired. She was the head of a nursing program at a nearby college. Uh, spent her life working in various forms of nursing, including in an assisted living facility a long time ago. And she is part of the experience that, you know, you can't teach somebody about aging who's not in it and can't appreciate it. Mm. We have a, a lot of people who advise the program who are also like, Al Gittrich, one of my favorite people, he's 85. Um, he used to be a manager at a newspaper at Star Ledger, New Jersey. Uh, but he comes into the classes, talks to us and the students, and basically says, you know, this and my friends, these are the real issues that we're having. So to make it sexy, what you, there are a couple things which you have to do is that it, it's a multifaceted uh, approach to things. First, I start off by telling the students that The year 1900, the average age people lived for were in the 40s. Mm -hmm. I guess there were no antibiotics or MRIs, but in the year 2000, it was about 80. My guess is at the very minimum, it'll be 125, and most of the people in the class will live to well over 100. So for them alone in their class, one-third of their lives is going to be, you know, over the age of 60. And that is going to motivate them that they, you know, don't want to live the way they see people are older. Um, the other thing is I don't focus on, believe it or not, geriatrics to begin with, at least at the introductory courses. What I say is we're designing intelligent apartments. 
and we're going to use the latest technology, and it'd be good for somebody who's five years old or 100 years old, is that it's going to have all these automated features. So we're going to have facial recognition, voice recognition, automated systems, uh, you know, all these things. So it's not an old person degree, even though we are enhancing it for mm. people who are older. It's mm. something that will serve everybody. Mm. And when we do that, it makes it a lot more interesting for everybody. And we use the latest technology. And um, in my class, it's required in the very first class, Intro Geriatric Engineering 1, is that they have assignments where they have to interview their older relatives and find out what their issues are. And then some of them agree to either a Zoom or a phone call, just like I'm doing right now, to talk to the class. And it gets students engaged is that their relatives, these are things that they're going to face. But I always make sure that when, here's a, here's a project that students, uh, and it's being commercialized right now, is the students also have to design something. And at the school, we have something called NSFI grants or innovative grants, where they give students money to commercialize uh, projects. We have four of them so far, where let's say you're going to have some memory problems. Now, I also let students know that it's no more than 10% of people, for the most part, are going to have uh, serious memory problems. So let's say you're starting to forget a little. So they developed a project using, we use Raspberry Pi 4s as one of the core systems. They're about the size of a credit card, full quad core computer. And they put in, it has a camera port, so they have, it has a camera. And it's as people enter the room, it actually looks at everybody. And on a little iPad, just facing the individual, is it shows a picture and a bio of everybody who walks in the room. It's really inexpensive. So we're doing all this through nonprofit groups and organizations. That's the problem of building a lot of this technology. Once it gets out there, you know, a hundred dollar object is a thousand dollar object, and that's kind of so we're trying to stay away from it. So mm -hmm. the students designed the system, cost about a hundred dollars, where anybody who walks in the room, and it only takes a few minutes of training by someone uh, that to only they can see. You know, this is my son Bill. This is my healthcare. So to make people as, you know, flexible as possible if they have some minor memory problems. Uh, another one is really interesting. Um, it's most people say, well, they want phones with big numbers or they want something special. You don't need that anymore with iPhones. They're developing a series of generic apps to turn your iPhone into whatever you need to. Who I call most often, and every time I load up the phone, Show me a series of pictures. That's, that's all the descriptions you need. So it's not only the technology, but the user interfaces. And again, to make it sexy, I tell students, the reality is one out of every five people on this planet at the moment is over 65. Let's say you're not into the altruistic thing. You want to become a millionaire. These are things everybody's going to use. Your uh, your passion is palpable, Dr. Lublener. I I'm loving listening to you uh, to you speak, and I'm sure uh, that it that must have been how uh, the surveys reflected the same uh, with regard to the value that uh, your students thought that this this program of geriatric engineering brought uh, brought as well. So, well, great summary. And now a word from our sponsor, U.S. Post Acute Care. Let's talk for a minute about goals of care conversations. Now more than ever, 
Post-acute clinicians should initiate these discussions with their patients. At U.S. Post-Acute Care, our clinical team is committed to regular goals of care conversations with each seriously ill patient. We help our patients to think through their goals and express what's most important to them. Now we can develop a care plan that aligns with their goals and their values. Using a technique first developed by Ariadne Labs, these structured conversations have shown meaningful improvements in the quality, cost and effectiveness of care. Our chief medical officer, Dr. Kevin Henning, is highly committed to making the goals of care conversation a foundation of effective care for our clinical team. At US Post-Acute Care, that's what we think. Now we'd like to know what you think. You can reach us at uspostacutecare.com or on LinkedIn, and Dr. Henning will be happy to respond. Thanks for listening. We are speaking about promoting geriatric engineering with Dr. David Lubliner, Medical Informatics Technology Section of the New Jersey Institute of Technology. Dr. Lubliner, I want to I want to extend our previous question to to the um, actionability of it. Uh, a central motivation of the Society for Post-Acute Long-Term Care Medicine has always been: what can we teach or discuss today that we can put into action tomorrow? In that same editorial of your article, the authors discuss the great hope for technology to help older adults maintain independence and overcome social isolation. It, from, how, from what you discussed, you know, this, is, this looks beyond, I think, you know, iPads, uh, Alexa, and iPhones, you know, or maybe not. Maybe we're just talking about the next iterations. But you know, when you think about it, what is the actionability for technology in tomorrow's older adult home? All the information has got to be connected together into the cloud and being as a unified whole. So if they see that 100 people had similar problems as they're gathering data from everything connected, then they'll recommend something from the data. So it's way, it's, if the iPad's a level one, this is level five at least. We're not wow. just talking about using the existing technology. That's why it's an engineering discipline. Engineering disciplines teach more than individual facts, they, it's interoperability, how things work together, talk to each other. I've been thinking about this quite a bit. Because of COVID, you know, just like a war and a pandemic, it fosters innovation because you have to. So in our course, what um, I developed with some students' help, you know, nobody is, does everything on their own, we developed these remote labs. In our labs we teach is how to connect these devices to easily control your environment. Mm. Well, I was thinking about a geriatric engineering course that we could offer to every medical school. Either it could be as a fully online course, but we have hands-on labs, and we've already got prototypes that work right now, where they can log in from any computer on the planet and to basically try these automation systems and see how easy it is to for them to use and to integrate new systems. We have core courses that every engineer has to take, mechanical, electrical, civil, and we're talking with the dean of the school. So basically saying, let's add this one new course, which is basically, it'll be geriatric engineering. It'll fit well in the curriculum because electrical engineers develop microprocessor automation, mechanical engineers, have CNC machines, which kind of automatically make things. This fits in the same realm, and it might be a course 
when I was thinking about the geriatric engineering degree, we're thinking about maybe modules that can then break off and then be available to other people, no matter what their curriculum is. I was thinking that, um, you know, perhaps geriatric engineering should be part of a, of a geriatric fellowship curricula, but then um, I, think, uh, I think either your paper or the editorial noted that, uh, you know, everything, everything a medical student is going to be doing is going to have something to do with an older adult even pediatrics. So, you know, do you think that engineering concepts should be part of a, of a medical school curricula? Yes. <laughs> I, guess we'll, I guess we'll leave it at that. <laughs> All right. Um, I highly encourage uh, everyone to take a look at the March 2021 edition of uh, the Journal of the American Geriatrics Society and take a look at geriatric engineering, uh, much more in-depth information and a fascinating concept. Uh, we have been privileged to speak with and learn from New, New Jersey Institute of Technology Professor Dr. David Lubliner. Dr. Lubliner, thank you very much for spending your time with AMDA on the go. Okay, I appreciate the opportunity. And two or three years from now when the program is running, I hope you'll invite me back. Oh, absolutely. I would love to hear more about it. References for this podcast can be found at paltc.org backslash podcast. Until next time, I'm Dr. Wayne Saltzman for this innovation podcast that we call AMDA on the go. Support for this podcast is brought to you by U.S. Post-Acute Care. If you are a physician and interested in obtaining ABPLM pre-approved certified medical director credits for certification or recertification, go to our new learning management system at apex.paltc.org. Click on podcast and follow the link to this latest episode. Thank you.